0: Today, a very special and very musical episode of Open Air Humans with Joe Maylander of the Grammy Award-winning Okie Doki Brothers.
1: We don't need a motor, we don't need a sail, and we don't need no fins or gills, and we don't need a tail. Let's just keep it simple, we'll each get an oar. Allowed to no man's lake And float till we can't no more.
0: The Okie Dokie Brothers are an independent Bluegrass and American Roots children music duo Of Joe Maylander and Justin Lansing The duo are childhood best friends And are known for their joyful brand of music Filled with messages of positivity And songs that inspire families to spend more time outside In 2012, the duo won a Grammy for their adventure album Can You Canoe? Which was recorded during a month long paddle down the Mississippi River. Today, Joe and I talk about the inspiration behind their music with live performances of tracks like The Life That's in You, Church of the Woods, and The Great Grandmother Tree. Settle in for a very musical and magical trip through the forest.
1: I wanna float down a river.
0: Welcome to The Open Air. This is Jesse Racler, and you're listening to Open Air Humans, stories about how we can live a happier, healthier, more creative life outdoors. This episode is brought to you by The Open Air Outpost, a new nature escape with luxury tiny cabin and glamping options just two hours northeast of the Twin Cities. It's a place where we've made it easy to put into practice all the wisdom we've learned from the guests on this very show. You can even book unique experiences with some of them as part of your stay. Learn more at OpenAirOutpost.com. Without further ado, Joe Maylander of the Grammy Award winning Okie Dokie Brothers. Joe, I'm so thrilled you're here and you brought your guitar with you. And we're doing this in person. Um, it's all amazing. Uh, I'm not only like incredibly excited to dig into your really thoughtful songwriting, Um, But I'm also selfishly excited that when I go home tonight, I get to tell my three and six year old that I got to hang out with an okie dokie brother. And that's going to buy me some cred. (laughs) I'm happy to hear that, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, You know, your music is often categorized as as children's music. And yeah, my kids adore it. But but so do I. And there was a moment um, I can I can remember like driving and the kids weren't in the car. And for the first time, I'm like. I wanna listen to or more aptly, I wanna sing along mm-hmm. <laughs> to your music and put it on and I'm like, as a grown man, do I get to do this? I'm like, Yeah, I get to do yeah. this and I let her rip and um I haven't looked back and I think your music has brought like so much joy to our family, and that's the word that I keep coming back to is joy. Mm. Like that's the first thing that, that hits me with it. And then when I pay close attention, I re-listen to the lyrics. It reminds us of all the ways that we are connected to nature and reminds us, um, to get outside more and experience that. And, you know, I've heard you talk about spending time outdoors as a vitamin everyone should be having, Mm -hmm. um, to quote you. And I'm just curious, like, where did you develop that core belief and what inspired you to write so many beautiful singable songs that would introduce kids to these ideas?
2: Mm. Yeah. Well, the core belief came from a childhood of a lot of outdoor time, um, and a shared childhood with Justin, the, the other songwriter in the group, um, where we, we grew up in Denver, Colorado together, and we have memories that we draw on while we're writing songs today, um, that are based in the Rocky mountains on camping trips, uh, with our families and, um, and out on the Plains too. My family's from Eastern Colorado and we would go out there and camp as well. Um, and I think what we, we what we draw on is this feeling of, um, yeah, it's a kind of a combination of joy and calm at the same time that you get out there in nature. And we try to put that into our, our songs, you know? Um, the entry point is joy and adventure and excitement, right? Um that brings people in and that that attracts us to nature, but then you know you spend enough time out there and you reach a whole nother level um that I'm calling calm, but really it's just presence and um I think Justin and I have always noticed that, and it does feel like a vitamin, and it evens you out um if your mind is going a little crazy and a little quick um And when you get into that present moment, especially if you're sitting around a campfire with a guitar, time disappears and your mind opens up, your heart opens up. Um, and that's where some real core memories are formed right around that kind of ritual, um, because there are other beings around you in those moments, you know, the plants and the critters and the wind, the rocks. And you're in kind of communion with them. And so that is, uh, that is the, the vitamin I'm talking about. And that is also the element we try to bring in to our songs. The, the adventure of nature and the joy of it all. But then, like you said, when you settle into the tunes or maybe later in the album as the tracks go on and on. And maybe you've already had some good laughs. What we try to do is provide kids and families with that moment of presence and um, where they can get in touch with their emotions and and hear something in the song that surprises them and um, makes them appreciate the moment they're living, which, you know, especially with young families, time goes quick, so it's a, it's a gift. It's an honor to give families moments that they can hold on to and make that time last a little bit longer that goes so quick. Awesome. Um, you mentioned two
0: words, uh, ritual and communion that I want to come back to and dig into. But before we do, um, I was hoping for, li- for listeners, of this podcast that might not be as familiar with your music, I was hoping you could play a song that you just very recently released off the new album, Bramble Town, which my, Apple Music, I looked today and it was my most played song of 2023 thus far. It's one I keep coming back to and my boys as well. Um, And that's the life that's in you, if you'd be so kind. Yeah, would love to. Awesome.
1: The seed, the seeds grow the trees, the trees give the air, the air that we breathe. You and I are just one part of one big life with one beating heart, because the life that's in. In you is the life that's in me, and the life in a bird is the life in a tree.
0: Amazing. That is the most restraint I've practiced in a long time, not to Uh, (laughs) sing along with you. Sing a little harmony with me. God, (laughs) yes. Um, But wow, there are so many pieces of that that I think we could pull out, you know, um, to unpack a little bit of the lyrics. But one that stuck with me is, like, if you try to literally pull one thing out by itself, you'll find it's connected to everything else. And I, I think that speaks to, like, one of the core themes of this Interconnection, and i mean it feels like you're essentially introducing you know six-year-olds to the gaia hypothesis Mm. the fact that like you know we think about i'm i'm one living entity the birds living in any of the plant is but hang on are we all part of something much bigger which is a huge idea and to introduce that to to kids you know what's gonna come of that like the benefits that can come of that to like understand that you're part of that and if you harm the earth, maybe you're actually harming yourself and like what ripples out mm. from that as a core belief, I think can be huge. And once you start to see those interconnections, um, you know, the way that on other songs in the LMU talk about how trees are communicating through mycelium. And like there are a million little interconnections. And once you pay attention to that, it starts to just build and there's this, you know, epiphany. And I'm wondering, was there a time for you, maybe a moment or a collection of moments where you started having that epiphany, you're like, hang on. There are more
2: connections than I realize. Yeah. It's hard to point back to one specific, um, thought here, but, um, or memory, but, but a cool thing to bring out, uh, about that is that in writing songs, I've I've learned certain things as I've written the songs or well after I've written the songs, I've realized these things that came through the art that um, I didn't even mean to really, you know, write about. Um, and that, that kind of proves this whole kind of thing you're talking about anyway, that there's kind of a, a bigger hole out there that's working through us. And so I didn't even know really about the, the Gaia, you know, idea. Before writing this song, actually, I just started reading about it recently. Um, and uh of course, i I've you know heard general thoughts on interconnection and whatnot. but um the superorganism organism that we're all a part of, right? and that we're all little parts in this body that's breathing and and living, um that fully, you know, didn't hit me till till recently, and even you know every time I hit sing this song, I'm like, I get another level of what that actually means. Um, so the art is ahead of me in a lot of ways. Um, and Justin would say the same thing is like, we're always like, we write the stuff and then it comes together and, and we ask ourselves, like, I don't even know what this means. And, and other people kind of have to like, tell us what it means, uh, especially in the Bramble town case. Um, so we can get into that later, but yeah, the effects of how that, um, can hit kids and affect kids. Um, is really interesting. Uh, so having a kid, I have a six year old, uh, son, his name's Hap. And so many of these realizations happened through talking to Hap about it, you know? (laughs) I love that. It's like, um, as you're explaining something that you're trying to get to for him to understand, you're understanding it, you know? Um, and, and sometimes he's, he's just much more open to the ideas That are harder for me to kind of like unlearn my separate, um, you know, definitions of what life is. And sure, you can understand things like animism where there's a spirit in every being. But yeah, what does it really mean to be a being altogether? Um, I would say that, uh, you know, um, being in community while making music and singing would be one memory I would point to of how much more alive and connected you feel when you're sitting around a fire and singing and camping out for a couple days, unplugged from the internet and your phones. Um, I've had that experience a few times. And um, the different way your body feels is is the most proof you you need. You know, it's not necessarily a book that convinces you or a, a definition of a word or a theory it's walking away from an experience like that and literally feeling more connected to your spirit and the spirits around you. Um, and yeah, that's what I would point to is community music making and nature.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Beautiful. No, I
0: found the same thing, like with young kids, like they'll point out phenomena Then I'm like, Oh, hang on. You're right. That is like that. And because they're not entrenched in like the way that you and I maybe were taught about, Science or ecosystems, um, they're a little bit more free in what they can dream up, and then you see things from their perspective, and that might connect some other dot that you had mm-hmm. previously.
2: Yeah, they're in a very advantageous uh, place because you know words and definitions and and the the separateness of of all of the understandings of the siloed information haven't fully gotten you know their their claws into their brains yet. So we we still are kind of like well, what is all this? You know, does it really need uh, categories to to understand all this? Or can it just be, um, can it just live as a breathing thing without a name to it? Um, I'm all for, you know, knowing the differences between plants and and trees and everything. But I I, I don't rush into that with HAP of like, let's learn all the things as fast as we can and, and get to words and definitions because there's an understanding there beyond words that needs to be soaked
0: in. Yeah. And the mystery is often where the magic lies, right? You don't want to over define something because, I mean, letting it be what it is is where you find a lot of that magic. You know, it, this this essential sort of core idea, though, of like the realization that you're part of something big, much bigger than yourself and beautiful, I feel like for me is like what – you know, I was brought up Lutheran and like traditional religions are meant to make you feel that. Mm-hmm. Right. And for me, nature showed me it in a much more direct and meaningful way. And I found that I felt closer to what you might call the divine, um, of nature versus in a church, which, um, I know is something you've thought a lot about. Um, and there's another song I, I was hoping you would share with us. Um, that gets at that idea. And then there's things I'd love to unpack about that song, um, as well. And that is church of the woods.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to sing this song for you. I think, um, yeah, after, after I sing it, we can unpack some, some thoughts on, on what you just brought up, but a quick, a quick intro to this song and the context of how I, I wrote it, um, might be advantageous to to listen to a little bit as we listen to the words. Um, my wife is from a Jewish family and I'm from a Catholic family and we had our son, you know, six years ago and, and there was a question of the baby naming ceremony or the baptism. And, um, we were struggling with how to navigate that, with the families. And, um, we settled on creating a little ritual, a ceremony, um, down by the Creek to get some water and some plants and some poetry and some songs, um, and some family. And we sat around and kind of read readings and, and poems and shared songs, um, and had a nice, a nice ritual for Hap um, that way. And this was a song that I wrote for that. Um, that was, yeah, I was just thinking about that when making this song so It's a blessing. It sounds like this.
1: On a moonlit night in a temple of birch, the wind chanted mantras in nature's church. Cathedrals of clouds Spiraled up in the air They blessed us with rain And we sang out a prayer May you lose yourself in the woods To find yourself again May you keep on singing And dancing till the end May your dark turn to light and your death into birth may your spirit be wild may your heaven be on earth the stars above were shamans dancing round the fire the rivers sang harmony in the bugs and critters choir the maples were facing mecca they were bowing their hallowed trunks the birds went on a pilgrimage through all the winter months some say that our afterlife is in the sky somehow but let's bring that then and there right down to here and now and may you lose yourself in Find yourself again May you keep on singing And dancing till the end May your dark turn to light And your death into birth May your spirit be wild And may your heaven be on earth May your spirit be wild And may your heaven be on earth
0: Thank you for that. I think it's awesome that you created your own ritual. And I think ritual is something that we lack in modern American society, sadly. And there's probably a lot of reasons for that. But I mean, one, I think is that people aren't attending church like they used to. It's probably the lowest numbers in a long time. And there's plenty of reasons for that. And, you know, I think everybody has a complicated relationship with religion, however they were brought up. But I think... Part of what we've lost, we've sort of thrown out we've thrown out spirituality with the religion water kind of and it's like are there aspects of ritual or spiritual practice that we can reintegrate whether that's with nature it doesn't always have to be part of what you think of as a traditional religious ceremony there are rituals that we could build and I love that you've done that here
2: yeah yeah well I will say I do think there's going to be a huge resurgence in the need for spiritual connection and every human on earth has roots back to um a spirituality that's that's based on land rituals um so i think that was a big moment for me as i realized that my celtic roots you know did have um somewhat indigenous you know uh practices and if you go back far enough um before kind of the colonial and the Christian um, mindset, even, even though in the early Christian times in those Celtic um, areas, you know, I'm no historian or anything, so don't quote me on anything, but the, the ceremonies even of the church were so much more land-based at that time too. And so you go back far enough and you realize that we've all had roots in sitting around a fire and singing and drumming and dancing and holding ceremony in really meaningful ways. And um, there's there's a huge need for it as we enter the climate crisis and the lack of biodiversity and the insects that are all dying around us. And we see all of this happening and we ask, what can we do about it? Um, Seems hopeless and we can't change these laws or we, um don't have the power to have influence, right? So we start looking within. And um I think a lot of folks are open to to that, you know, we've seen a bunch of people doing therapy and that's always a good step. Um psychotherapy and looking back at childhood and looking back at patterns, that's part of it, but I think the other part is um it, I feel like folks are definitely going to warm up to integrating those spiritual experiences. Um, with, with the therapy too. And, um, and it's not a big, scary institution that's in, uh, indoors in a church and, uh, has rules and, um, you know, threats and things like this. Um, it's saying that the human being is, um, is perfect as they are. And yes, we have flaws, but that's part of the, the perfection that we have to work through those struggles And spirituality gives you a framework to, um, to get through that. So I'll stop rambling on that. But I do think, uh, I do think folks, uh, seem to be heading in that direction. And I'm super hopeful for that because I think those small feelings that we have, even though they're seemingly insignificant are actually really impactful on, on the future of this planet. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. I am hopeful for that. That's awesome. And yeah, I mean, I,
0: I'm i glad you brought up like, yeah, these practices that were happening when your descendants were doing their indigenous practices. Yes, it was over in Europe, but they were closer to the land and had that understanding, that relationship that informs the entire way you see everything about the earth and the world, where you come from, and where you're going. Um, and when you when you immerse yourself into what our ancestors did, like 99% of the time they were out in nature, communing with nature in a way that we do maybe flip that around. And it's like one to 5% of our day, at least if you're in urban America, you know, working a job, providing for a family, like you don't, you you don't have that base level connection that our ancestors had. So when you do get a chance to immerse yourself in what you say, may you lose yourself in the woods to find yourself again, um, I love that because when you do allow yourself, when you surrender to what's out there and what was our ancestors' experience, something happens and I'm wondering, like, how do you perceive what's happening to our mind, our spirit when we allow ourselves to get lost in the woods?
2: Yeah. Well, I see it as uh recognizing the animate force around us, right? Instead of um, always being cognizant of like, oh, we are a superior being that can think and has science and technology and all these things. It's taking a little bit of time in nature can humble yourself enough to realize like, oh, there's great wisdom all around us. And our ancestors knew about this wisdom, right? And that we were a part of it. And if we listen to it, there's, there's ancient technology that um, that is super helpful for keeping us grounded and not letting our minds run away with the world. Um, and that's where myth comes from, and and song and ritual, because human beings knew that if left to our own devices, and we think that we're dominant, you know, and superior, that we'll kind of run away with the show. And, um, so that's our new technology. And where has that brought us right to the brink of disaster and not saying that technology that we create couldn't be helpful in the future. I think it definitely could be if, if integrated with some of these ancient technologies like myth and ritual and animism, which it, it, it grounds us in a way that human beings, you know, we need reminders and, and that's where, um, ritual comes in is uh you experience something and you need a little framework to understand what has happened um so that's where so many of these um old cultures have have stories and songs that maybe we look at what i was taught at least they were um kind of like primitive right (laughs) and it's like i think that was a, a grave sin to kind of look back at things as like primitive right because there were like geniuses living back then that had incredible amounts of wisdom and knowledge that that kept us in a nice humble balance with with nature and when those ways were lost there was a great separation that happened so it's just interesting to reflect on all of that in a modern context of when i when i'm on stage with Justin and we bring people together to sing what seems like, you know, children's songs. Um, what aspect of these old ways can we bring to the stage? And that's that's some humility and presence so that we can create a moment that, you know, I don't know, calls us back to slowing down and um, focusing on what really matters instead of getting swept up with all the concerns we we get concerned with an item too, you know. Um, but those those concerts are one place that we have that are like ritualistic. People people can like sit in a theater, dark, and like it's almost like a it's almost like a church, you know. Um, so when you have folks out in the audience like that, and they're in a state of emotion because they're there with their kids, it's like, oh, there's a responsibility there too. To bring your your best self for those moments. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I didn't, I just, you know, thinking about the parallels between you are taking us back to an ancient tradition and ritual and reconnecting us to something that our ancestors did just like Getting Lost in the Woods does. You mm-hmm. know, it's another part of it, I think. Um, and to me, that's what getting out and having a, a nature experience, it is a, a remembering and a... um are reconnecting in that way, and for me, like the pandemic was actually like a start for me to go back to those things. Like I'd always been kind of curious, and I mean, I grew up in the country, and then you know moved the city, and I got back to my roots, and I started foraging and I started birding because all of our TV and film work was shut down for six months, and like it changed my life for the better in so many ways, and in uh, a lot of ways, this show was sort of born out of that. But I realized like when i was going out there it was like a remembering or reconnecting it was like novel to me but i was like oh this is ancient this is in our bones just like the ritual of storytelling and sitting around a fire so i think there's a a parallel there um and to to go a little further on the the church of the woods idea this just like crystallized for me just a couple weeks ago for easter um my parents came to visit us and we all went to a, a lutheran service which was fine and you know i I remember doing that as, as as a kid. And there's a lot to be, um, you know, there's a lot to to experience there. And it's beautiful and, and it can be profound for a lot of people. But for me, I came home and then Easter evening, the spring peepers started singing, like, in the marsh behind our house. And it's like, you want to talk to me about rebirth and resurrection, like, those frogs, like, waking from their winter slumber and singing, like, spring brings us. So many like concrete examples of rebirth and resurrection. And maybe it's the metaphor of that in conjunction with whatever your religious practice is. But that's like the church of the woods to me. Like all the lessons that were in the parables and metaphors that we get in church, like are on display for us, like all the time, if we go out and like pay attention and listen to it. So I'm curious if there was like, if there are any like natural phenomenon for you that like started to bring this idea of the church of the woods. Are there any specific? specific things that you're like oh wow here's a way that i'm connecting with either you call spirituality or divine energy uh-huh. that brought that home for you
2: yeah well we live in a neighborhood near the near the creek and and there's a little during the pandemic um some kids in the neighborhood created a little fort over there and um i call it the church of the woods and i would go there on Sunday mornings, and. Um, it was this little hut that Happ and I would crawl into, and I would tell him some old stories. And um, being near a body of water that's moving like that is also, you know, special to me. I know it's not the cleanest water, <laughs> but it's also, there's, it's water, and it's, uh, it's beautiful. And so, um, yeah, I remember that spring of the pandemic when this song was coming out, and um, churches were shut down, that, you know, I was looking around at, at nature coming back from a, a cold, long winter. And if, if you let that sink in and warm you, you know, your body remembers what that cyclical pattern is all about. And um, I, think, I think we look to the, you know, spiritual texts to help, us remember some of these things and they can be guideposts, but you're right, Mike, what do they call it? Like primary texts or something. <laughs> but like, that is, that is nature, you know? And I took a class called Myth and Mycelium at a Sophie Strand. I don't know if you know Sophie. Myth and Mycelium was the name of the class? Yeah, Sign yeah. Sign
0: me up. What, what was this part of? Was this
2: Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the subtitle was like something around the lines of Jesus, the fungal God. Oh, Which um, she went into Yeshua the you know the the rabbi the wilderness um, storyteller and how he used nature metaphors um, for his parables and and teachings and um, that class was so amazing for me because I grew up Catholic and I've always liked the revolutionary you know rebel Jesus and hearing her kind of reimagining of this of this character that was of a lineage from the vegetal gods of osiris on down through um i don't know a a bunch of other (laughs) deities that she goes through that he uh you know is out there enlivening us with myths about about the power of nature um yeah it was just something that spoke to me and yeah I'd, i'd recommend sophie strand's work to anybody she um she's a mycologist and a mythologist and a poet from new york and um yeah you should check out her book it's called the flowering wand it's rewilding masculine myths and jesus is in there as well as merlin and joshua and joseph and all these other amazing myths amazing thank Thank you for that of course wow well
0: yeah i feel like this this concept of of rebirth or resurrection shows up in other places in your music too. And we, we talk about it certainly on this show. um, Recently, we were talking to Emily Stone. We had a whole episode about that, like like where you can find this phenomenon in nature. Um, One of the things that she brought up was that uh, from a naturalist perspective, a tree is more alive when it's dead. And that had like blew my mind. And then she started to unpack it for me and she's like, yeah, what happens to the tree and the creatures that inhabit it? And it's like, that changed her view of death. Um, I know, uh, you have a song, um, that you sing with Justin, uh, the great grandmother tree, which when I heard that, I immediately go like, Oh my gosh, that's like, you know, straight out of, um, that, that book, you know, that, that Emily brought in. I'm wondering if you'd share
2: that one, one last song on this. Yeah, let's do it. One, one thought. There is something I think about in the spring a lot that, um, that roots me back into kind of that idea of, of resurrection and life after death, that's close to my heart and my family. My dad was a dry land wheat farmer out on the Eastern Plains of Colorado. And I don't know if you know this, but, um, and I think this is still the case. Maybe there's different approaches, uh, with spring and winter wheat, but my dad would print, plant the wheat in the winter, uh, or in the late fall. And, and the, the, the wheat would go through, um, the winter right? Um, cold, like frozen soil. Yeah. And this winter wheat, uh, goes into dormancy. Um, and when it sprouts again in the spring, it's, it's much hardier than the spring wheat that, uh, you know, maybe some other farmers plant, uh, because it's gone through that dormancy and, and it's, um, grown a harder shell around it and whatnot. Again, not an expert on wheat, but I heard my dad tell me that story throughout childhood that that winter wheat is is a good metaphor for that um going through the winter and 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 struggle and pain and hardships so that when we do come back to life you know we have a little bit of strength in us and um that's something I always like to think about the metaphors abound like <laughs> yes. in nature i
0: mean there's something you- there's so many things you can look to that can help you get through anything in your life if, if you can keep in mind. And this is, you brought up men. We could probably have a whole separate conversation about Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. Oh his. yeah, of course. Okay. okay, so like that's where I go to um, the power of myth, like his conversation with Greg Moyers. But like thinking about examples like that and then going like, okay, if if that wheat can make it through and, and the the winter made it stronger, like what am I going through that feels really hard but it's going to make me more resilient for whatever the next thing is. So there's, that's just goes to say there's wisdom all around us if we look close enough to see it.
2: Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, thanks for that. I'll get right into grandmother tree here.
1: In the backwoods mighty forest there's a silver maple tree standing by a brook her branches are reaching out to hug her. and the older she gets the more beautiful she looks she's tall and she's wide she's welcoming and wide She's the great-grandmother tree that never dies. She put roots down in the river valley, friends with the bugs and the birds. She was always branching out, ever changing. And even when she got old, she loved to dance. But a storm blew in one midwinter evening, and it shook the old tree from side to side. The heavy snow fell, and the wind. The great-grandmother tree that never dies.
0: Beautiful. She doesn't live, but she's still
2: alive. And he, just like Emily says, right? Yeah, exactly. That's great. Yeah, I love that. I love knowing that um, there's actual, you know, <laughs> proof out there that says the tree's more alive when it's yeah. dead than when yeah. it's alive. Yeah. I mean, isn't that A an surrender. incredible
0: idea? When you change your perception, like does death still look like death in the way that it looked like to you before? I mean, as you look closer at like plants and animals and and these things, has your perception of death changed? Has that changed how you, how you live, how you look at things? Like, I'm so curious.
2: Well, yeah. Um, I guess I can only go off of, you know, how I feel about death these days. Um, I, I guess over the years have gotten less and less afraid of the idea of death because it is quite beautiful, you know, um, surrendering to a bigger energy and, um, kind of communing with all of those different life forms around you. I think, um, yeah, surrender to me is, is where a lot of freedom and groundedness is found. Um, you know, something a little personal with that is I've, I've gone through and still am in, in recovery and, um, you know, in the 12 step program with, with alcoholism and surrender, um, is obviously one of the primary, um, lessons learned when beginning those steps. And, um, yeah, I would have never, um, I, I, I could never go back and and regret that decision of just like that moment of clarity of, of surrendering and what beauty came from that. And, um, all the, all the good things that came from, um, from that moment. 14 years ago, you know, and it is right when we started kind of playing for families and whatnot, um, came from, from a gift that was surrender and just saying like, this old part of me is dying. And, um, a new part that I don't know about is, is being born and we'll see where that leads, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's just one thing I always think back to of, of kind of a death in my life that that was well worth it, you know, Mm -hmm. and kind of shed something and move on. And, obviously real death is a little more um substantial than like these little deaths we go through but the more we practice death uh, the more ready we'll be for it and the more present we can be for our lives so one definition of like ritual and ceremony and even even um initiation um as as we grow up is that there's always aspects of death right that we're we're always practicing that um, that letting go. And so that always resonated with me that, you know, for a ceremony ceremony or a, uh, an initiation to feel grounded, we, we bring up death, we reflect on death, we go through a struggle of some sort that reminds us of our mortality. So that when we get to the end of our lives, we're not grasping onto it and holding on and saying we didn't get enough or not enough time that we say, you know what? Yeah. We're going to go back into the hole and, and enter into that. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, as I practice that, I get more comfortable with the idea. <laughs> yeah.
0: And that, that was one of the the things I took away from, from Emily and her sort of naturalist, you know, that too is that when you see the phenomenon play out in nature in and ecosystem, it's never the end of something. It's a transformation into into something else. And the more times you see that, the more you realize, okay, any death is going to be a transformation
2: into something else you might not know what that is but it just changes how you look at it i think for sure that you get to be a part of some magical transformation yeah 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 and again that that mystery is part of
0: you know i i think i would i don't want to know like I, I enjoy the mystery of it yeah. as well but i think seeing examples of it play out where you see that it is a transition and a transformation is i don't know that does something to your mind too yeah. Um mm, beautiful. Well, I love how far ranging um the songs, like the topics are, especially in Bramble Town. I mean, you go from um everything from climate change to the perspective of a possum um to the Big Dipper and and Little Dipper in conversation. Um, and I think people are gonna love that album and should check out the entire catalog. Um, but also when when we first got in touch, you shared with me. A playlist that is Church of the Woods and I think in particular our audience is going to love this so much can you tell tell us what that uh playlist is and we'll be sure to to link to it
2: yeah well we decided to put together some songs that um kind of ground us in in some of these these walks that we will go on you know um out in nature and we noticed we have some of these songs on our albums but that there are songs over and over we come to that just have a feel and, um, an energy to them that, that brings us into a whole nother realm, um, beyond kind of the typical, uh, day-to-day, um, feel. So, uh, we, we did, yeah, we made a playlist on Spotify that, yeah, I hope resonates with folks. Um, there's some Celtic songs on there that mean a lot to me. Those old melodies bring me back, um, and, and transport me into another time and space, um, and and I think there's just something to say even today as I'm sitting here talking about some of this serious stuff and singing some of these calmer songs you know we are a children's band uh, in a way and we have a lot of upbeat songs and like craziness that goes on on stage where we um you know hoot and holler and stomp and um, swing our partners and all that kind of stuff and we we have a lot of humor humorous songs too um so they're always on our albums because we feel like it's the doorway into the deeper stuff for families that we can't just play these calm songs to like bring everybody in but the point of the playlist was to um, to while we love the upbeat stuff and and the jokey stuff was to experience some of this music along some more calm, stuff um without uh without always like breaking the mood with a jokey song because <laughs> um, yeah depending on your mood in the day sometimes you just need um a playlist that stays in that that vibe
0: and i think we'll we'll take this out with one of those joyous songs and you know i'm gonna be singing to some of them on the way home yodeling along with you nice. with hope, hope machine or the morning bird like I love all that stuff, but I'm so glad we got to dig into a lot of these really thoughtful songs
2: today, too. Yeah. Thanks, Jesse, for, for giving me the opportunity to talk like this. You know, I don't usually in um, interviews like this, it's either pretty quick or it's it's based on just kind of the the upbeat stuff. So it's cool to, to dig a little bit deeper with you.
0: Well, thank you for the, the thoughtful stuff, along with bringing joy to so many families. Um, my family, one of them. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jesse. You can download the music of the Okie Dokie Brothers, including their latest album, Bramble Town, from anywhere you stream music. And you can learn more about the band, watch videos, and order their latest on vinyl at okidoki.org.
1: Thank you for the flowers. Thank you for the weeds. Thank you for the sun and the rain. And thanks for the apple seeds. The apple seeds. The apple seeds. Just wanted to thank you. For the apple seeds thank you for the branches thank you for the breeze thank you for the shade grove and thanks for the apple trees the apple trees the apple trees Wanted to thank you for the apple tree.